Welcome to Canterbury Business, The Lowdown. It's a podcast series brought to you and produced by the team here at Tandem Studios. And it's been created with the help of our amazing partners, Christchurch NZ and the Canterbury Chamber of Commerce. We've been running this podcast for well, a few weeks now, right throughout the COVID-19 lockdown period. But today is the last episode of the podcast. So we thought we'd take a look back at some of the best bits. Uh, the only problem is... We couldn't just pick a few best bits from the whole series because, humbly, we thought there were so many. So we've got some clips from each episode to share with you. And throughout the podcast, we've had a great opportunity to chat to some wonderful people that help keep Canterbury ticking along and, we hope, help keep Canterbury motivated through the post-COVID-19 recovery period. One of our major themes throughout the series was leadership. And so first up, we're going to hear some words from Sir Bob Parker, who was a brilliant leader through the 2011 earthquakes here in Christchurch, as he was then the Mayor of Christchurch. We'll also hear from Leanne Dalzell, who's the current Mayor of Christchurch, leading us through this current crisis, and Kyla Colburn, who is the CEO of Bowman New Zealand. First up, though, here is Sir Bob Parker. There is the comparison between now and after those February earthquakes when we were all in a state of shock and we were not in lockdown. There were red zones that you weren't allowed to go into, but we were able to get out and mix with people. We were able to go for a drive somewhere and visit some friends on the other side of the town. Um, That's one of the big differences between now and back then, 2011. Very true. Uh, Of course, you know, I always missed out. I missed out on all of the really wonderful uh, kind of social things that, that people did um, and because we were working all the time. So we just put mm, in mm. huge long days for uh, what seemed like forever and really never got to go to a street party or go and help somebody clean the trout out of the freezer <laughs> or, yeah, or anything yeah. like that. You know, so I always, it's a part of me that goes, I missed out on that great um, social side of the uh post-disaster feel, I suppose. But, you know, I mean, it was pretty tough for a heck of a lot of people. Uh, and we were just working really hard like everybody else was that, that had something to do. We weren't in a situation where we had nothing on our plate. You know, we hadn't lost our jobs. Uh, we mm-hmm. had more work than ever. We had more pressure than ever. So it was a bit different. This time, for me, is you know, much more like, well, it's someone else sorting all this stuff out now, and, and I'm just hanging like everybody else at home uh, and trying to trying to be positive about that experience and looking forward to the day that it's that it's over. Former Mayor of Christchurch, Sir Bob Parker, thank you for taking part. And now the current Mayor of Christchurch, Leanne Dalzell. I know that you've been Mayor of Christchurch for seven years now, so you're in your third term. And in that time, we've had earthquake recoveries to deal with. Uh, we've had fires. We've had floods. We've well, had I wasn't the mayor when the earthquake... I, I wasn't the mayor when the earthquakes happened. So uh, people kind no, of forget No, no, I realise that. Um, part of the recovery, yes, yeah, that's right. Yes, I know. But a lot of the recovery, and, and I think this is reflecting just on those lessons learned, is that a lot of the recovery, uh, you know, planning, or the, a lot of the recovery planning had been done before I became the mayor. And actually some of the um, some of the decisions that were made back then are not decisions that I would have made. And I don't think that we were as well enabled as a community, a wider community, um, to be fully engaged in our own recovery as we could have been. And I think that 
So I, I, I do reflect on that. This is an opportunity to think of how we can um, recover in a way that uh, embraces that full diversity that I spoke of before. So I, I, I just like to reflect on that because, I mean, I was a member of parliament at the time. I, I, was, I was privileged to one extent was because I was able to study recovery in a very um, in-depth way that wouldn't have been available, for example, to an extremely busy minister uh, who was um, absolutely focused on 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 recovery. Yeah. I was able to step back from the the the, the um, crisis and and actually managing that crisis and setting up a brand new recovery institution. Um, I, I could step back from that and to seek advice from recovery authorities around the world. You know, I remember spending time with the Queensland Recovery Authority. That had their floods the same year uh, as we had our major earthquake in February 2011. Uh, and they had established a, a, a sort of a model of recovery, which is actually uh, in existence today. So their regeneration or their recovery authority was so was such a successful model which drew on the strengths of all of the councils that made up the region that was affected, um, that that model was so successful that the, that the state government has retained the model in order to deal with big infrastructure projects. So maybe it's a lesson learned. What did we do in Christchurch after the earthquakes that was a really successful model? Well, one of the ones that I can think of is the SKIRT program which was the Horizontal Infrastructure Programme, which brought an alliance of contractors and designers together so that they could take the big infrastructure projects and get work done in, a, in, a, um, in an effective manner, which had an overview of costs. Now, people can reflect on whether it was the right model to keep those costs to uh, the value for money that you'd have an expectation of. But uh, given everything that we were faced with at the time, the model itself is good. And is that how we think about going forward from here uh, when the, you know that the government's reaching out, looking for ideas about how it can kickstart the economy and make sure that people can get back to work as quickly as possible and to support the construction sector um, initially, but not solely, but, but focusing on that because of all the sub-trades that fall off the back of that and all of the opportunities to increase jobs in those areas um, that are skill sets that we will need for, for you know forever. So they're not skill sets that will finally disappear because somebody else can, can deliver on them. So I'm saying if we take this as an opportunity to look at what really worked well, let's build on that. And that's, I've taken that from my own opportunity that I got at the time of the earthquakes being an opposition member of parliament to have the time to truly learn the lessons from other environments and to um, enable uh, the creation of really a, a, a measure against success that um, we can use now uh, in a very positive way. Mayor of Christchurch, Leander Alzale, and now, Kyla Colburn, who is the CEO of Bowman New Zealand. 
I believe wholeheartedly in that you can shape your future as, you know, you can't anticipate things like COVID-19, but I do believe that if you have a clear vision, you can work towards those goals. Where's the starting point for someone listening in and they go, okay, I've got to reshape things. The world has changed. Is there a starting point to start getting your head into that direction? Yeah. And for me, that starting point really is coming back to purpose. And so thinking about things, you know, there is a what and the what might be that you have a restaurant or the what might be that you have a beauty salon or, you know, whatever it may be. But then there's a why. And the why of the restaurant is making people feel nourished and looked after. And the why of the beauty salon is making people feel beautiful and, uh, and, and sexy and, 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 and loving. Um, and so coming back to that core purpose, that why, and going, okay, if I'm not in a position where I can physically bring people to my restaurant and make them feel nourished, what could I do instead in a creative way, in a, in a way where we're only connected uh, digitally? What can I do instead? Can I do virtual cooking classes where we're actually all eat together and dine together? Can I do um, a, uh, you know, a thing where I am um, preparing meals and delivering them to people at home? Can I do... Um, something where I'm actually just, you know, running a, 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 an online cooking show where I'm just doing my thing and welcoming people into my kitchen. Like, what are the ways that I can still provide that sense of connection and that sense of belonging that I used to provide through my physical, um, my physical workspace? Thank you, Kyla. Obviously, being called Canterbury Business, we had to talk through the podcast series about how businesses were being affected during lockdown. And two of our sponsors joined us throughout the series to talk about what businesses could do to cope and the responsibility locals now have to spend where they can to get the economy back on track. To tell us more, here's the CEO of the Canterbury Chamber of Commerce, Leanne Watson. So how's the chamber? Because I know that uh, it's a membership. People uh, pay a membership fee to become a, a member of the chamber, but you've opened that up to everybody at the moment. Is that right? That? Yes, we have. Um, so, um, sort of three weeks ago, um, obviously, with uh, you know all of the sorts of inquiries that I've I've mentioned to you, we felt it was really important that you know all businesses had the ability to um, you know get that information as quickly as possible. Um, so we we did open ourselves up for um, that initial sort of business helpline um, to respond to those inquiries. Um, what our members get over and above that is obviously um, much more in-depth um, advice and support around those individual HR-type inquiries. Um, you know, there's a lot of restructuring and, and redundancy-type discussions going on, a lot of um, um, support around things like, you know, how do I move my um, my current offering more into a social media platform? Uh, you know, how do I make sure that I know how to reforecast um, some of, you know, my business um, those are the sorts of um, uh, advisory type calls that that our members get access to. Um, so we're continuing to provide um, that higher level, more in-depth um, support um, to our membership base. Uh, and, you know, we're pu putting on um, a huge number of webinars as well to help businesses sort of, I guess, guide their way through um, some of this information. Uh, some of those webinars we've made um, publicly available to everyone and some of the um, webinars are more available for members. Um, and then we also have some online training that we've, um, that we've, uh, I guess, also pivoted our organisation to running a whole lot more um, support um, through online events um, and online training as well. So, yeah, just trying to continue to do a bit of bit of both, but also making sure that we provide that um, that support for 
um, businesses to it to get those initial um, inquiries responded to. That's unbelievable. Uh, how how was your team coping with it? Because I would imagine they were just inundated <laughs> with questions and inquiries like nonstop because it's a it's a scary time for many businesses. Yeah, it is scary. And look, we've um yeah, as I said before, I mean the team have been working some incredibly long hours. I mean we've um you know, opened ourselves up over the weekend for, um, you know, a, a limited hours over the weekend, but to respond to those, um, you know, calls through our 800 number and through our, um, um, our info at um, cecc.org.nz um, email advice line, because recognising actually, you know, um, during the week, um, you know, there are some businesses are still operating who are still pretty busy, and uh, but they still have inquiries, and so um, making sure that we can provide um, support at different hours at different needs and actually that's where the webinars where we record them and post them up online are, are incredibly useful as well because businesses can actually um, go onto the website and look at um, those webinars uh, through um, um, the COVID-19 section at, at their own time. Um, so yeah look um, the, the, team, the team are doing really well. Um, we've, we've been fortunate enough to also um, bring back a couple of um, people that we've had <laughs> Uh, through a number of uh, different situations in the last 10 years who have responded um, post-earthquake and post-Kaikoura earthquakes and post um, the mosque attacks. Um, so we've got a couple of extra um, people in the organisation helping to uh, resource the team up. Um, and uh, we've deployed, uh, I guess, a few people from what they would normally be doing in the chamber to doing other things. So they've all been uh, incredibly flexible and they're doing things that they may not have thought they ever were going to be doing. Um, our latest member of the team started two weeks ago and I said to her last week um, that she was doing a great job and I promised her that it wasn't normally this chaotic at the chamber and <laughs> she said she was up for the challenge and I said that was good because I don't think it's going to uh, stop anytime soon and, and uh, I think on the very first day one of the messages that I provided to the team which was something that we um, shared post-earthquakes was um, we need to look after ourselves. We need to find some balance. Um, you need to get outside during the day. Uh, just because you're working from home doesn't mean that you need to work um, all day and all night. Um, and actually, this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And so we need to remember that. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing everything that we can to look after the team's well-being. But um, it's it's a pretty busy time out there. But um, I think there's a few people out there that, you know, they're, they're absolutely in this because they are passionate about providing support to the business community um, and um, they're doing that and they're making a difference to, as I said at the outset, they're, they're actually making a difference to not only the businesses that we support but to the people that they employ. So they're actually making a difference to people's livelihoods, which, you know, I said to them that they should be really proud of that and, um, you know, this will go down in history. So you're, you're a piece of that. From Christchurch NZ, The Economist, David Dyerson on why it's so important to keep that money moving around. When we saw Level 3 come into play recently, we saw hundreds of thousands of burgers sold at McDonald's, at Burger King, all the different places. And you've got a really nice analogy about the simple hamburger and by buying one hamburger, how it helps. Can you just explain that analogy for us? I think it's, it's wonderful to see that it has happened. Um, and I'm actually happy that this, this hamburger economy is actually taking place currently. So essentially what, how it works is the economy consists out of various forward and backward linkages. In economic terms, we, we call that a multiplier. So that means you go and spend money, you go and buy a hamburger for 5 or $10. 
But that money is also being spent um, or, needs, or, that, or that retailer will then take that money and he will have to buy, for example, the bun. He will have to go and buy the beef or the chicken patty. He will have to go and buy uh, the fillings. And all of this activity all of, will eventually lead and benefit other areas of the economy. So the butcher will benefit as a result of the, the patty that is bought. The uh, bakery will benefit as a result of the bun that will be bought from them. Um, the, the employees will receive an income as a result of their service, their, their work that they've done. Uh, they can now pay utilities. They, can, they need to pay for some logistics for the input the receiving of the goods to that retailer. So just by spending that 5 or $10 has actually resulted in a chain of events that has benefited not just that retailer, but also other uh, areas within the economy. Um, so, and that forms part of the spending of the money. So once you go out and spend the money, all of these gears within the economy will start to move again. And I think that's very important in understanding from a consumer's point of view that that's the effect of your spending within the economy. We also spoke to student volunteer army founder Sam Johnson, who found yet another way to help those less able during this time. And we caught up with Nick and Rupert from Strategy Creative about how to market your business in these strange times. And so we welcome from the Student Volunteer Army, Sam Johnson. Good morning. Uh, how are you? Where are you right now? Oh, good day, Dave. What a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, I am I am in uh, in, the, in the hood of Linwood where I live, and uh, we and I, I'm 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 well. It's a busy old time. How can you be busy when you're in lockdown? What's happening? Tell us about your life. What's going on? Well, I think well, the best way to characterise it is that Student Volunteer Army, before COVID-19, we had uh, 27 volunteers at the university who, who run the club side of things, and we had five, uh, five in our team of the foundation, and now we've got about 50 uh, or 60 at the university and, and, and 21 on the foundation side. Um, and we are delivering uh, literally hundreds of uh, groceries to people right around the country every week through our online so, shopping service. So this is through your association with foodstuffs. Um, and how is that working? How are, how are the students coming in, getting the groceries and, and delivering them to whomever? How do they find those people to deliver them to? Yeah, sure. So what, what we did is we, um, we, we basically built our own online shopping service. So you can have a look at it at shop.sva.org.nz um, or give us a call on the 0800 number and people go on and it looks exactly like a new world shopping service. So you go on and click the items that you'd like. Uh, you put your credit card in and pay for it. Uh, and then what that does is it puts an order th order form through to us, um, and then we go to the shop and literally pick the items off the shelf, put them in a little bag, and drop them at your door, and charge you afterwards. And we've uh, sort of worked the, our magic in the background to sort out the payment the payment issue to make it really easy to um, to order online groceries. If you're an, if you're an older person, so you know, or no, actually not even if you're an older person, if you're over sixty five, you can use it. So that's uh, that's 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 young. Um, so you, so feel free to use it. If you're a person living with a disability, if you're working in the health health sector at all, you can use it. So jump on and, and have a look at. It. And we, our model is all around getting making volunteers feeling useful. And so, so we really want orders. We want people to order their groceries through, through us. If you live alone and a bit lonely, hey, just jump on and, and order some groceries. And a volunteer will have the great privilege of doing your shopping and dropping it at your door. That's amazing. So the website again is shopsva.co.nz. 
uh, shop.sva.co.nz. SVA.co.nz. Uh, you can just, just, just Google SVA and it does come up as well, or there's an 0800 number, 0800 005 902. And so if you don't like the computer or don't want to use it, give us a call. We've got a team of Christchurch City Council um, staff who've been seconded to us who help answer the, answer the phones and take your, take your online order. Have you had many people, uh, many useless students or anything trying to use the service, Sam? <laughs> uh, not, not, not too bad. I mean, it's a, it's a trust-based service and you have to click on the way in why you sort of need it. Um, but, but we actually, we, we, have, we have these beautiful stories, people coming in and, and people who just need, need a hand. And, and oh. I, it actually, it, it's so sad. And, and Dave, you would have seen this as well. You, you see older people standing in the queue at the supermarket. There's mm. no reason to do that. Don't don't have your mum and dad doing that. Just order them the groceries online, um, and and then we'll deliver them. How long do you think you'll keep the shop SVA up and running? Yeah, it's never going to go away. Is is our view? This is a this is a new service that we've um, we've actually been thinking about for a while, uh, and particularly around the, the connection that's made between two different people. So if you're yes. someone, imagine having a hip operation, or you suddenly end up in hospital or something, and then you get home. Ordering the groceries can be a bit tricky. So what we're doing is providing another way to do that with New World and with Hyundai who, who have um, who've made this possible. And what sort of stories uh, are you hearing from the volunteers as they, they go to someone's place? What, you know, what are you hearing? How are people feeling out there? Well, I mean, for, for a start, um, what, what volunteering does and, and is make people feel like their skills are useful and that they're, they're, they're able to help. And so that's the number one thing that we're getting feedback from the volunteers. They just feel so fulfilled that they were able to go and pick up someone's groceries and drop them off. Um, and a lot of the time, they don't know the reason why um, the person's ordered groceries. Somebody can look fine, but might be experiencing some pretty severe COVID anxiety, and that's why they've had to, had to order the groceries. Um, and so what we talk to volunteers about is you don't know the reason why you're helping this individual, but it is just that sort of silent, uh, silent help and, and passing, passing and paying that forward. Thank you, Sam. And now from the agency Strategy Creative, uh, Rupert DePaula and Nick Harvey. If you have an idea, so someone in business listening to this at the moment and they're thinking, okay, I've got to pivot, I've got to change, I've got to change the way that I'm marketing or my product has to a- a- adapt and change as well. How can you know in this environment without research whether people want it uh, so you can learn fast and then fail fast if need be? How, how do you know your new idea is going to work? Oh, it's a good question. Look, I think there's a, there's a lot of people probably out there right now going, where do we pivot to? How do we pivot to? Why are we pivoting? Um, do we need to? Nothing is going to be normal um, moving forward. So I think um, everyone's going to have to reassess um, where they're currently at, what their product needs are, um, what the consumers are wanting, how the consumers are consuming um, products, creativity, um, engagement, experiences. Um, so I think advice, um, probably a pretty tough one at the moment. We're, we're, we're spending a lot of time working on our business at the moment to ensure that we're going to be able to pivot to cater for the market. I don't think anyone really knows at the moment. I think it's actually going to bring everyone back to a little bit of ground zero. I think what everyone was finding that the world was moving so quickly that people were just putting products into the market um, uh, and things were st- sticking. So it's kind of the fail fast um, uh, mentality. I think people are going to end up at ground zero again and, and, and have a chance to reset, um, which is a good positive opportunity. I mean, everyone 
um, is what we're talking to our guys internally and clients. Everyone is in this together and everyone's at the same boat. So um, I think it's a great, great time for us to review and reflect and reset. Thanks, Rupert and Nick from Strategy Creative. Gilbert Enoka is a mental skills coach who has worked with the likes of the All Blacks for many, many years, as well as working for the Black Caps and many others. But he joined us halfway through the lockdown chatting about mental health. And he had some really interesting takes on how to manage the situation and to manage your own anxiety, which was also a theme throughout the series. Here's Gilbert Enoka. How's life for you at the moment during lockdown? Well, well, it's sort of created a sort of normal really once I'd got the mental adjustment of being inside my bubble um, a certain normality um, has resumed and um, life just goes on normally I guess under this new mo- into this new normal. Uh, it, it is going to be a new normal we talked about that after the earthquakes didn't we um, but it is going to be another new normal that we've got to deal with and one of the things that struck me Gilbert is um, your background as a mental skills coach we don't put a lot of emphasis on the top two inches so how important is it the top two inches to deal with this new normal that we're about to head into? I think the role of um, the top two inches as you say is um, intricately connected to our coping with what we're currently experiencing Um, There's a physical well-being piece that's connected to it as well. Um, You know, your mindset, the view you have in a given moment to what's occurring is is normally results in different behaviours and it's always filtered through the mind. So it is a very important part of the puzzle. One of the things that uh, I, I wrote down years and years ago, and I found it again as I was doing the research for this interview with you, and it's fear is negative, visualize success, maintain self-belief, and focus on your desires. And those words were from uh, a wonderful man here in Canterbury, uh, Graham Felton. And he gave those words to Richard Hadley. So it's that, it's that change of thinking. Is that one of the key things that we as individuals have got to work on right now? Yes, I think... Um Hey, look, it's, uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. Um, you know, I tend to think that, you know, that mindset is a big part of it. I think it's, it's ensuring or it's a matter of ensuring that your mindset's right. You know, we, we know from our work that your skill set doesn't matter if your mindset's wrong. So ensuring you have this within your control is, is the most important thing, in my opinion. And I, I kind of like to, uh, to tell people that, to help with this, it's sort of important to understand that currently we're living in a world that has two components competing for control. You've got the situation that's locked down um, and ourselves as individuals living inside the lockdown. So if you think of the mindset piece and the question you asked, if you see that situation, the lockdown is bigger than you, then it puts you in a state of overload or overwhelm and that's not a good place to be. But if you can see yourself as an individual as bigger than the situation that is the COVID-19, then it puts you in a position of at least influence or control. And the key question we we like people to ask is, are you dealing to the situation or is it dealing to you? So it's more of a practical application to the moment than you know visualising yourself succeeding in different ways. 
You talk about the moment, and that's another uh, phrase that I, I like to hang on to. There was a great athlete, Martina Navratilova, tennis champion, you know, one of the greats. Um, and when she was at the very top, she suddenly started feeling all of this pressure, and it led to non-performance, and she ended up hating the game and everything about it. And then she got some mental skills coaching, and she realized the importance of the moment was the most important thing. You know, now is the most important time in your life. So how easy is it to bring yourself back to, you know, that now, the moment, when you're used to sort of thinking all these dozen different things you've got to do in the future or worrying about the past? Yeah, like the, the, the moment is crucial because it's the only thing that we can control, but we do understand that we do get infected by the past and the future. Uh, those thoughts can intrude and impact on our thinking in the moment and once we understand that everything, just because we think something, doesn't make it real or doesn't make it true, it enables us to process and, and sift out some of the thoughts that may not have been as productive or as positive. And I kind of like, well, you know, we understand that momentum comes from moments. It's putting one moment on top of another moment. And, and in days that we're going through at the moment, if we want to gain traction, then momentum, and then it's mastering this moment, then the next moment, then the next moment. And we all have a load, really, that we can tolerate, and that's not set in stone, and, and, and it fluctuates over time for people. But what we do know is the mental formula is the same. Um, if you get to a certain limit in a moment, then it can cause overwhelm, and the key is not to get stuck. And we, we like to teach our sports people that, you know, it's okay to feel the fear in a moment, it's okay to get the jitters, it's okay to wobble, it's okay to bend, it's okay to buckle, but the key is not to break and the key is that we don't stand still, you, you've got to keep moving and that becomes a, a, a real master, a skill to master in these, moment and, in these moments and making sure that we don't get stuck and that the worst enemy doesn't lie between our own two ears. An essential service that many of us might forget at times is the news media. Kamala Heyman from the press chatted with us about keeping the public up to date in times of crisis, something their newsroom is very used to by now. How would you say the reporting on this crisis is different from like the days of the earthquake, which I, I know you were a part of, 2011, um, or, or the terrorist attacks of last year? How different is this one? Gosh, it, it, it is amazing. I mean, a number of us have been through um, quite a few different uh, crises over the last 10 years. Um, they are all different um, in lots of ways, but I'd say that if we're just talking about the newsroom specifically, the biggest difference for us is that we're not together as a newsroom. Um, so even after the earthquakes, we did everything we could to work together um, in one space. So it's, you know, on on that day, on that Tuesday, February 22, we all gathered together in Latin Square and just um, set up a newsroom on the grass. Um, and by that, by the next day, we had set up on the cafe at our printing plant in Logistics Drive. And eventually, as you all know, we ended up in Porter Cabins for 15 months, um, mm. really, really crowded in together. Um, this horrible, cold, stuffy, cramped <laughs> Porter Cabins. Um, but it was because while we could work from home and technology allowed us to, it is much more efficient and effective to work together. I mean, there's a reason newsrooms have always been open plan. It's so much easier to call out, um, you know, it, it, the speed of reacting to something. is so much easier if you can all be together in one space. Um, trying to 
contact people even though we've got fantastic communication tools now with video calls and Slack channels and Google um, documents. It's just not the same as being able to see people face to face. So it's just a, it's harder to do that coordination. Um, but but you know we, we we have been able to and the tools we've got are fantastic um, now much better than they would have been um, ten years ago for the earthquakes. Um, but what we did, I, I also wanted to mention that after the terrorist attack, the one thing that we began doing, we're now doing um, to an even greater extent, is working as a single national newsroom. So all the different newsrooms from staff working together. The mosque attack was so big, it was far too big for the Christchurch newsroom to cover all the angles and the important aspects of what needed to be covered and what was really a global story. Um, so we all... We all learnt how to work together as a newsroom, how to have joint news conferences across the country, how to share ideas in a way that was effective, not double up, not stumble over each other. Um, and we're doing that to a much greater extent now um, and every day. Mm. So we have we have um, national news conferences twice a day um, and then some smaller local news conferences a couple of times a day as well, just so we try and keep that coordination really tightly, tightly in hand. Thank you, Camilla, and good luck too to the press and staff, which I see has now been bought from the Australian owners for $1. The staff are now going to run the whole organisation. wish you good luck with that. Another couple of guests were Mike Fisher and Anthony Goff. Now, these two men are the driving force behind two of the central city's biggest developments, uh, Mike Fisher at Riverside Market and Anthony Goff with The Terrace. Both, of course, had to shut down uh, during COVID-19, with Riverside Market shutting down just a short time after it first opened and proved very, very popular. So first up, we heard from Mike Fisher from Riverside Market. It has been a hell of a roller coaster for you guys, hasn't it? Because Riverside Market opened what just a little over six months ago, and mm. it's been spectacular. Uh, Cantabrians and visitors to the city have absolutely loved it. I'm assuming the retailers, once they got used to the sort of numbers they were seeing, they started loving it. Uh, you know, um, can you believe how successful Riverside Market was? Um, I, 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 I'd, I'd like to think, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like. I think when we were planning it and, and, you know, there's all the work that goes into the design and, and sort of curating and working with the traders and you think, man, this could really go well. And we knew when I've worked with some markets overseas and you think, right, you, you see the, the popularity of, the, of markets as community hubs of, of amazing centres of food and you think, right, we think it could be really successful in Christchurch and for Canterbury. Um, but I suppose we weren't, <laughs> we weren't ready for some of the, the numbers and the crowds. And so it's been been amazing and positive but i think it certainly has stretched us in terms of the the things that we're the people we're expecting to get through the door and obviously the operational back of house stuff the rubbish and the, the sorting facilities and the cleaning and all those extra things you need to do but i think those are good problems to have um <laughs> in terms of this and and stuff that we've really enjoyed trying to crack because it's uh, we think, and, we're, and I know we've getting good feedback, it's been really great for mm. Christchurch and we're really proud of that, that, that it's, a, it's a legacy project and, and people of Canterbury are really proud to have something like this here and that's obviously what we want to get it back to, that it's a, it's a real community hub again and a great experience in, in Christchurch. Thank you, Mike. And now the man behind the terrace, Anthony Goff. How have you been getting on during the, uh, the lockdown? What's been happening in your life? Well, I've got all my tenants who don't want to pay me rent, um, and I don't blame them. They're not doing income, so we're doing a, um, we're not 
um, asking rent from them for the level three and level four. And we're going to write off 50% of what they haven't paid us. And the other 50%, um, we're going to ask them to start paying us back over a 30-month period starting in 2022. Wow, that's that's very generous of you. Um, how, how, what's the reaction been like from those tenants? They'd like to know what we're going to do for level two. I said, let me get past levels three and four. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take it or not. Um, but they've all accepted that um, to get up free is probably not a bad thing. So, but you know, my, my attitude is that I want my tenants to actually be with us and to open. I haven't had any fall over. Also, all my office tenants are asking for um, rebates and discounts and everything else, and we're meeting those as well. Um, and of course, the bank still want its interest, so I have to borrow more capital to pay them interest. Yeah, it seems like everyone's coming to the party except the banks when it comes to the discount. Yeah, well, banks will always win. <laughs> banks will always be the banks. So yeah. what, what have you been doing? I mean, obviously, you've been very busy dealing with a, a, a lot of people and their problems and stuff, but what's your situation? Have you been the whole time at home? Yes, yes, I live at home. Um, go, go out occasionally um, to go to the shops or if I need to see a tenant in town, like we're doing some maintenance on our buildings now um, that we would normally have difficulty doing because we've got bars and restaurants all around us with people sitting at tables and chairs. So we're just staining our big wooden building. We'll finish that tonight, so that's good. Um, and we're also going through checking all sort of fire collars through the building and that sort of thing. So we're doing quite a bit of maintenance. Um, at the same time, we've started our big car park rebuild back in operation. So we'll finish that in July and open to the public. So that's very good. It's a big 430-bay car park in Hereford Street. So things are moving in the background all the time for us. I would handle probably up to 60 emails a day. So wow. it has to be quiet. You've got to be right on top of it. How, how's your stress levels dealing with all of that? Not too bad, actually. Um, I, I, I dare say, if you've got a clear vision where you're going, I've got tremendous support staff. I've got two staff. They're on full pay. Most of the government's helped me there, but actually it doesn't meet half of what I pay them because they're quite highly paid and they're very capable. Um, and I don't begrudge that. You know, when I started, I said, look, I'm here to make sure that money side for them is not a big problem. I think it's so important to look after those T staff. And I was talking to my one of my hospitality tenants on Oxford Terrace today, and he said he's got it still all his staff on. And his front of house staff said they'll accept the government um, wage that they're paying as to hold them for the moment. And I thought that's an incredible thing to do. Um, mm. So they'll take a huge chop. Our last guests for the series were two of our local business owners who were behind some great breweries, Alastair Castles and Marzmola. They were both hit hard with a lockdown like all other hospitality and retail businesses. And first up, we spoke with Alastair Castles. Tell us about your lockdown. Uh, where are you? What have you been doing? How have you been coping? Well, um... My uh, my lifelong partner uh, Bridget and I um, are out in the out in the uh, Allendale Valley, which is um, past Governors Bay. Uh, we've got a beautiful um, 
little farmlet here and it looks uh, down the valley um, overlooking the harbour. It's a very idyllic spot um, and uh, it's just quiet and, and beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. Has it given um, you some time to spend thinking about the next steps for, for you personally and, and for your business interests? Well, um, yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, I would have started, um, I mean, lock, lockdown came pretty quick. It was just yeah, uh, yeah. bang, smack, there, there we were faced with it. And, um, you know, I, I generally get... Um, I generally get spreadsheeting and and uh, and I suppose I spent the first two weeks in in, uh, in panic mode trying to work out how it was all going to work, and I sort of stopped doing that in a way, and and I've I've started to dream a lot about <laughs> about how it might work because um, the sort of assumptions you make when you try to work it out properly just just keep changing, and and I guess um, dreaming <laughs> dreaming is not a is not a bad way to handle a situation. <laughs> I, I can relate to that completely. Um, is, is that what you do? Is it similar to post earthquake? Because I know with castles, the the bar that you open in Wollstone and the whole tannery complex, you know, you, you got into that pretty quickly. Is there yeah, any similarities that, now to then? Uh, there's a little bit. There, there was a little bit, but I guess I guess it was it was a wee, it was a wee bit different with the earthquake because we were just we were just hell bent to go and firing to go and we sort of beat everyone to the mark really i mean we 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 got our um we got our little brew bar going in, in about 100 days after the earthquake and we were the only bar open but um that that, that, was, that was a funny story too really because the, the um where the where the where the brew bar is um was a building we were going to demolish because we had a we had a grander plan which was to develop um two or three two or three Two of the two or three of those buildings in the tannery into a fairly big sort of brew pub, but we were going to reinstate the old tannery gardens where the where the brew bar is now. But after the earthquake, it was the only it was the only decent building we had. So very quickly, it got converted into a bar, and um, it was it was amazing. Um, I mean, when we opened, it was just it really was amazing because it was the first bar to be opened on that side of town, and there was no music venues open in Christchurch, and and every night we had a gig. You know, we had a we had a you know full dinner service, and then tables moved back, and and then there was music, and that that was pretty typically every night. Um, shortly after the earthquake, until other other venues started opening. But um, and the pizzas, of course, you got that wood fire pizza. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, pretty it, quickly. Yeah, yeah, it 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 created a it created a beautiful atmosphere, which really we've had. We've had good business ever since then because I think people remember the times and, and I, I mean they were they were strange times those but um, I guess people still remember that and uh, it has helped us I mean we we with the bar's been busy ever since um, last nine years or so we've been we've we've had a very good run I think we had to replace one of our pizza ovens because it um, it gave up after half a million pizzas but <laughs> and Muz Muller. Where are you? How are you coping? What's happening in your life there, Muzz? Yeah, well, the situation, uh, like a lot of other people um, who couldn't work in level four, level three, um, just uh, I've become a homeschool teacher, <laughs> um, <laughs> which has been uh, an experience. 
um, done a lot of bike riding, um, and you know, it just felt very fortunate that I was in a situation that we could um, essentially park up uh, my business, which was um, you know a, a blessing, really. Um, you know, if, if you couldn't, and and I mean, thank goodness. I mean, we, we, the way we've set up our company, it's um, you know we're very lucky. We don't have rent per se. I mean, we have. We, we rent a chiller container, but that's so cheap. It's like that's basically our only massive overhead. Um, so we're very lucky that we were able to just park everything up and get everything in a situation where we can just wait um, for the levels to go down, basically. Um, can, you, can you tell us about Ghost Brewing? How, how does that work? Um, so basically, we started just over six years ago um, with the idea of... Um, ghost brewing, obviously, coming from the, the, the analogy of ghost producing, as in uh, who wrote Robbie Williams' tracks? No one knows. Does anyone really care? Um, <laughs> so we did the same thing for beer. We um, launched it with the idea that we'd have most of our clients rebranding most of our beers. Um, that's slowly changing as we, as we realized that um, we want to develop our own brands and ideas. But that was the initial idea of why we kicked off and um, it was certainly a, a fun way to kick off the project. Um, we are very fortunate that we're, we can brew at Three Boys. Um, so uh, when we first started, we had a, a nightmare trying to find a building. Um, and uh, so we were lucky enough to um, have Ralph uh, welcome us in and I could move all my fermenters and tanks. And um, I had a lot of gear actually, so I managed to move most of it in. And then what I couldn't fit in... Um, I had a little baby brewery, but I sold that, um, and yeah, just just moved into Three Boys, and we've been there basically since the start, really. So a lot of your market, though, has been forced to close through lockdown. Cafes and bars that would use Ghost Brewing and rebrand the beer under their yep. own name. Yep. How is it looking into that market for you at the moment? Uh, for for when we get out of the whole lockdown and level twos and carry on from there how's that how, how's the business looking uh well we, we, we're essentially dead in the water right now um we we're not trading when you know we've got no cash flow um and yeah we're essentially just parked up i mean all, all of our clients are bars and restaurants so there's no real um you know we don't have packaged beer we don't we don't sell to supermarkets or anything like that so you know we, we really are on on hold um and, you know, we've been working through with our clients to see when they're going to be opening and, you know, when they can pay. <laughs> That's been a bit of a tough one. Um, but, you know, we're essentially hoping that level two will be some form of cash flow coming forward, which will be, um, which will be great. <laughs> um, it's been, it's only what, you know, it's week seven, isn't it? But it's, it's, it's mm. felt like a very long time. What are you hearing from the hospitality industry at the moment? Uh, uncertainty, I guess, is one thing, but what else are you hearing? Yeah, uh, you know, a bit of worry. Uh, no, no one's really panicked, but you know, there's certainly there's certainly a, a fair amount of concern out there. Um, one of the themes, are, uh, you know, most landlords seem to be pretty pretty good. So um, I haven't heard um, any bad things uh, uh, towards any landlords, which I, I think's incredibly awesome. Mm. Um, but everyone is. You know, they are quite worried about the future. I mean, 
I kind of feel that when we do open, it'll be a little bit like Boxing Day for a little bit um, in the fact that we haven't been able to go to venues and all that. So it might take off and it, look, with a hiss and a roar and go really well for a few days um, and then, then you know, calm down. But my concern is maybe not for the short, short term, but when we do open, how does the new unemployment levels look? Um, you know, because, you know, going out to restaurants and bars, you know, it, it is a bit of a treat for some people. And if we get too high unemployment, that could really be uh, a, another thing that's coming um, that we haven't really, you know, really looked at properly yet. You know, it's, um, you know, so that, that that's a bit of a concern as well. What you've been listening to, uh, only a few moments from the whole podcast series over the last few weeks, but you can listen to many more now if you head to iTunes, Spotify, or our Tandem Studios website for the full series, which is tandemstudios.co.nz. We really enjoyed producing the series. It's given us something to do every week to curb the boredom, but we've also had the opportunity to chat with some great people along the way who continue to do a fantastic job helping Canterbury get back on the road to recovery post-COVID. And two of those organisations are our wonderful partners, and we thank them very much, Christchurch NZ and the Canterbury Employers Chamber of Commerce. Now, they're still posting plenty of helpful information on the websites for businesses as they get back to the new normal. And don't forget a major theme throughout the series has been mental health, so we want to leave you with one final reminder to keep well and stay happy. Now, I know that's easy to say, and it's easy to positively reinforce yourself every single morning, I'm going to be happy today, but it is one of those things from time to time you just need to stop and check yourself. How are you feeling? Are you doing okay? There is a whole lot of uncertainty at the moment, we do know, and a lot is going to change in the future as we find a new normal, but it's getting used to those changes in our lives that matters most. So there's plenty of information online on how to cope if you are struggling, and you can head to websites like mentalhealth.org.nz as well as covid19.govt.nz to start that search for help if you, you feel you need it, or maybe someone in your team you think you just want to help them. All right, finally, we want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the series, and hopefully it's brought you some enlightenment and a little bit of help and maybe even a bit of a laugh during what's been a busy and very stressful time. But you can catch up on all those episodes and hear each of the individuals in their own podcast on iTunes, Spotify, as well as the Tandem Studios website, as we said earlier. Um, And if you want to share them out through social media, you can through there. So as we have said at the conclusion of each podcast episode, please stay safe, be kind, take care, and thank you for listening. 